We're continuing with our reading of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the 11th canto, 11th chapter, text number 16 only. And this is a discussion between Krishna and Uddhava. And what is the chapter name? 11, 11, 16. What? Symptoms of conditioned and liberated living entities. Text number 16. A saintly sage sees with equal vision and therefore is not affected by that which is materially good or bad. Indeed, although he observes others performing good and bad work and speaking properly and improperly, the sage does not praise or criticize anyone. For the purpose of maintaining his body, a liberated sage should not act, speak, or contemplate in terms of material good or bad. Rather, he should be detached in all material circumstances and taking pleasure in self-realization. He should wander about engaged in this liberated life, lifestyle, appearing like a retarded person to outsiders. Purport. According to Srila Jiva Goswami, this verse describes a type of discipline recommended for the jnana yogis who by intelligence try to understand that they are not their material bodies. One who is engaged in the devotional service of the Lord, however, accepts and rejects material things in terms of their usefulness in the loving service of Lord Krishna. One who is trying to preach Krishna consciousness should be seen as very intelligent and not jadavat or stunted as described here. Although a devotee of the Lord does not act, speak, or contemplate for his personal sense gratification, he remains very busy working, speaking, and meditating in the devotional service of the Lord. The devotee makes elaborate plans to engage all the fallen souls in Lord Krishna's service so they can be purified and go back home back to Godhead. Merely rejecting material things is not perfect consciousness. One must see everything as the property of the Lord and meant for the Lord's pleasure. One busily engaged in spreading the Krishna consciousness movement has no time to make material distinctions and thus automatically comes to the liberated platform. 18. If through meticulous study one becomes expert in reading Vedic literature but makes no endeavor to fix one's mind on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then one's endeavor is certainly like that of a man who works very hard to take care of a cow that gives no milk. In other words, the fruit of one's laborious study of Vedic knowledge will simply be the labor itself. There will be no other tangible result. Purport, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains that the word pare, the supreme, in this verse indicates the supreme personality of Godhead rather than the impersonal Brahman because Lord Krishna, the speaker of these instructions, makes references in later verses to his personality as the supreme. An impersonal interpretation in this case would be eka deshanvaya, utara shlokarta, tatparya virodha, or a contradictory interpretation that creates illogical conflict with other shlokas spoken in the same context. It requires great endeavor to take care of a cow. One must either grow food, grains to feed the cow or maintain suitable pastures. If the pasture is not properly maintained, poisonous weeds will grow or snakes will multiply and there will be danger. Cows are infected by many types of diseases and bugs and must be regularly cleaned and disinfected. 
Similarly, fences must be maintained around the cow pasture, and there is even more work to be done. If the cow gives no milk, however, then one certainly performs hard labor with no tangible result. Laborious effort is also required to learn the Sanskrit language well enough to discern the subtle and esoteric meaning of the Vedic mantras. If after such great labor one does not understand the spiritual body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which is the source of all happiness in life, and if one does not surrender to the Lord as the supreme shelter of all things, then one has certainly labored hard with no tangible result other than his own labor. Even a liberated soul who has given up the bodily concept of life will fall down if he does not take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The word nishnata, or expert, indicates that one must ultimately achieve the goal of life. Otherwise, one is not expert. As stated by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, prema pumarto mahan, the actual goal of human life is love of Godhead, and no one can be considered expert without achieving this goal. My dear Uddhava, that man is certainly most miserable who takes care of a cow that gives no milk, an unchaste wife, a body totally dependent on others, useless children or wealth not utilized for the right purpose. Similarly, one who studies Vedic knowledge devoid of my glories is also most miserable. A human being is actually learned and expert when he understands that all material objects perceived through the various senses are expansions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that nothing exists without the support of the Supreme Lord. In this verse, through various examples, it is concluded that the power of speech is useless if not engaged in the support of the Supreme Lord. According to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti, Thakur, this verse implies that all of the functions of the various senses are useless if they are not engaged in the glorification of God. Indeed, the Avadhuta Brahmana previously stated to King Yadu that if the tongue is not controlled, one's entire program of sense control is a failure. One cannot control the tongue unless he vibrates the glories of the Lord. The example of the milkless cow is significant. A gentle man never kills a cow, and therefore when a cow becomes sterile and no longer gives milk, one must engage in the laborious task of protecting her since no one will purchase a useless cow. For some time, the greedy owner of a sterile cow may continue thinking, I have already invested so much money in taking care of this cow, and certainly in the near future, she will again become pregnant and give milk. But when this hope is proven futile, he becomes neglectful and indifferent to the health and safety of the animal. Because of such sinful neglect, he must suffer in the next life, after having already suffered because of the sterile cow in the present life. Similarly, although a man may discover that his wife is neither chaste nor affectionate, he may be so eager to get children that he goes on taking care of such a useless wife, thinking, I will teach my wife the religious duties of a chaste woman. By hearing historical examples of great women, surely her heart will change, and she will become a wonderful wife to me. Unfortunately, the unchaste wife, in many cases, does not change, and also gives a man many useless children who are just as foolish and irreligious as she. Such children never give any happiness to the father, yet the father tediously labors to take care of them. Also, one who has accumulated wealth by the mercy of God must be vigilant to give in charity to the right person and for the right cause. 
If such a right person or cause appears, and one hesitates and selfishly does not give in charity, one loses his reputation, and in the next life he will be poverty-stricken. One who fails to give properly in charity spends his life anxiously protecting his wealth, which ultimately brings him no fame or happiness. The previous examples are given to illustrate the uselessness of laboriously studying Vedic knowledge that does not glorify the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Srila Jiva Goswami comments that the spiritual vibration of the Vedas is meant to bring one to the lotus feet, lotus feet of the Supreme Lord Krishna. Many processes for achieving the supreme truth are recommended in the Upanishads and other Vedic literatures, but because of their innumerable and seemingly contradictory explanations, commentaries and injunctions, one cannot achieve the absolute truth, the personality of Godhead, merely by reading such literature. If, however, one understands Sri Krishna to be the ultimate cause of all causes and reads the Upanishads and other Vedic literature as glorification of the Supreme Lord, then one can actually become fixed at the Lord's lotus feet. For example, as Divine Grace Srila Prabhupada translated and commented upon Sri Upanishad in such a way that it brings the reader closer to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Undoubtedly, the lotus feet of Lord Krishna are the only reliable boat by which to cross the turbulent ocean of material existence. Even Lord Brahma has stated in the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam that if one gives up the auspicious path of bhakti and takes to the fruitless labor of Vedic speculation, one is like a fool who beats empty husks in hopes of getting rice. Srila Jiva Goswami recommends that one completely ignore dry Vedic speculation because it does not bring one to the point of devotional service to the absolute truth, Lord Sri Krishna. Text number 20. My dear Uddhava, an intelligent person should never take to literatures that do not contain descriptions of my activities, which purify the whole universe. Indeed, I create, maintain, and annihilate the entire material manifestation. Among all my pastime incarnations, the most beloved are Krishna and Balaram. Any so-called knowledge that does not recognize these activities of mine is simply barren and is not acceptable to those who are actually intelligent. Purport the words, Lilavatar Ripsita Janma, are very significant here. The Lord's incarnation for executing wonderful pastimes is called Lila Avatar. And such wonderful forms of Vishnu are glorified by the names Ramachandra, Nasringa, Kurma, Varaha, and so on. Among all such Leela avatars, however, the most beloved, even to this day, is Lord Krishna, the original source of the Vishnu Tattva. The Lord appears in the prison house of Kamsa and is immediately transferred to the rural setting of Vrindavan, where he exhibits unique childhood pastimes with his cowherd boyfriends, girlfriends, parents, and well-wishers. After some time, the Lord's pastimes are transferred to Mathura and Dwarka, and the extraordinary love of the inhabitants of Vrindavan is exhibited in their anguished separation from Lord Krishna. Such pastimes of the Lord are ipsita, or the reservoir of all loving exchanges with the absolute truth. The pure devotees of the Lord are most intelligent and expert and do not pay any attention to useless, fruitless literatures 
that neglect the highest truth, Lord Krishna. Although such literatures are very popular amongst materialistic persons all over the world, they are completely neglected by the community of pure Vaishnavas. In this verse, the Lord explains that the literatures approved for the devotees are those that glorify the Lord's pastimes, as the Purusha avatar and Leela avatars culminating in the personal appearance of Lord Krishna himself, as confirmed in Brahma Sanghita 539. I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord, who manifested himself personally as Krishna and the different avatars in the world in the forms of Rama, Nusringha, Vaman, etc., as his subjective portions. Even Vedic literatures that neglect the Supreme Personality of God should be ignored. This fact was also explained by Narada Muni to Srila Vyasadeva, the author of the Vedas, when the great Veda Vyas felt dissatisfied with his work. 21. Coming to this conclusion of all knowledge, one should give up the false conception of material variety that one imposes upon the soul and thus cease one's material existence. The mind should be fixed on me since I am all-pervading. Purport. Although in previous verses Lord Krishna has described the lifestyle and approach of the impersonal philosophers who meditate on the distinction between matter and spirit. The Lord here rejects the path of jnana or speculation and comes to the final conclusion, Pukti Yoga. The path of jnana is interesting only to one who does not know that Lord Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, as stated in Bhagavad Gita 7.19. Bahunam janmanamante Gyanavan mam prapadyate vasudeva sarvamiti samahatma sudulabha. The words vasudeva sarvamiti or vasudeva is everything are similar to the words sarva ge found in this verse. One should know ge sarva ge. One should found in this verse. One should know why the personality of Godhead is all pervading. The first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam states janmadya selyata. The Supreme Lord is the source of everything. And as stated in previous verse of this chapter, he creates, maintains, and annihilates everything. Thus the Lord is not all-pervading in the manner of air or sunlight. Rather, the Lord is all-pervading as the absolute controller who holds in his hands the destiny of every living entity. Everything is ultimately an expansion of Lord Krishna and therefore, there is really no other object of meditation besides Krishna. Meditation upon any object is also meditation on Krishna, but is imperfectly performed, as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita by the word avidi purvakam. The Lord also states in the Gita that all living entities are on the path back home, back to Godhead. Because of ignorance, however, some of them go backward or stop along the way, foolishly thinking that their journey is finished, when in fact they are suspended in one of the minor potencies of the Supreme Lord. If one wants to intimately, under, intimately understand the nature of the Absolute Truth, one must take to the path of love of Godhead, as stated in Bhagavad Gita uh, 1855. And right now we're reading from Bhagavatam 11, 11, what's the verse number? 21, 11, 11, 21, halfway through. 
Bhaktimam Abhijanati Yavanyashchasmitatvataha Tatumam Tatvato Gyatva Vishate Tadanantaram One can understand the Supreme Personality as He is only by devotional service. And when one is in full consciousness of the Supreme Lord by such devotion, he can enter into the kingdom of God. The words nanatva brahman, brahman, in this verse indicate false identification with the gross and subtle material bodies. The word brahman indicates a mistake. It can also mean wandering or rotating. The conditioned living entity, because of his mistake of falling into illusion, is wandering through a succession of material bodies, sometimes appearing as a demigod and sometimes as a worm and stool. The word aparamita means that one should stop such fruitless wandering and fix one's mind on the absolute truth, the Supreme Lord, who is the true object of everyone's love. Such a conclusion is not sentimental, but as the result of keen analytic intelligence, jignasaya. Thus, after elaborately explaining to Uddhava many aspects of analytic knowledge, the Lord now comes to the ultimate conclusion, Krishna consciousness, pure love of Godhead. Without such love, there is no question of eternally fixing one's mind on the Lord. Quoting from the Vivek, Srila Madhvacharya states that nanatva brahmam indicates the following illusions. Considering the living entity to be the supreme, considering all living entities to be ultimately one entity without separate individuality, considering that there are many gods, thinking that Krishna is not God, and considering that the material universe is the ultimate reality. All these illusions are called Brahma, or mistakes, but such ignorance can be eliminated at once by the chanting of the holy names of Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Hare Hare. My dear Uddhava, if you are not able to free your mind from all material disturbance and thus absorb it completely on the spiritual platform, then perform all your activities as an offering to me without trying to enjoy the fruits. Purport. If one offers one's activities to Lord Krishna without trying to enjoy the results, one's mind becomes purified. When the mind is purified, transcendental knowledge automatically manifests, since such knowledge is a byproduct of pure consciousness. When the mind is absorbed in perfect knowledge, it can be raised to the spiritual platform, as described in Bhagavad Gita 1854. Brahmaputa prasannatma nashochati nakankshati samaksarveshu bhuteshu madbhaktim labhate param. One who is thus transcendentally situated at once realizes the Supreme Brahman. He never laments nor desires to have anything. He is equally disposed to every living entity. In that pure state, he attains pure devotional service unto me. By absorbing the mind in, in the transcendental form of the Lord, by, excuse me, by absorbing the mind in the transcendental form of Lord Krishna, one can surpass the stage of ordinary transcendental knowledge by which one simply distinguishes oneself from the gross and subtle material bodies. Spiritually enriched by loving devotional service to the Lord, the mind is completely purified of all tinges of illusion. Through intense concentration on one's relationship with the personality of Godhead, 
One comes to the highest standard of knowledge and becomes an intimate associate of the personality of Godhead. By offering one's activities to the personality of Godhead, one purifies one's mind to some extent and thus comes to the preliminary stage of spiritual awareness. Yet even then, one may not be able to fix one's mind completely on the spiritual platform. At that point, one should realistically assess one's position, noting the lingering material contamination within the mind. Then, as stated in this verse, one should intensify one's practical devotional work in the service of the Lord. There you have it. If one artificially considers oneself to be supremely liberated, or if one becomes casual on the path of spiritual advancement, there is serious danger of a fall down. According to Srila Jiva Goswami, the Lord previously explained to Uddhava, Jnan Mishra Bhakti, or devotional service mixed with the impure desire to enjoy transcendental knowledge. In this verse, the Lord clearly reveals that transcendental knowledge is an automatic byproduct of loving service to the Lord. And in the next verse, the Lord begins his explanation of pure devotional service, which is completely sufficient for self-realization. The desire to enjoy spiritual knowledge is certainly a material desire, since the goal is one's personal satisfaction and not the pleasure of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, Lord Krishna here warns Uddhava that if one is not able to fix one's mind in trance on the spiritual platform, then one should not go on simply theoretically discussing what is Brahman and what is not Brahman. Rather, one should engage in practical devotional service to the Supreme Lord, and then spiritual knowledge will automatically awaken in one's heart. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 10.10, Tesham satata yuktanam vajatam priti purvakam dadami buddhi yogam tam yenamam upayanti te to those who are constantly devoted and worship me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. Similarly, in the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Lord Brahma warns that one should not neglect the auspicious path of bhakti and instead take up the useless labor of mental speculation. <clears throat> by mere philosophical speculation, one cannot fix one's mind on the spiritual platform. Many great philosophers throughout history had abominable personal hab habits which proved that they could not fix themselves on the spiritual platform by mere speculation on philosophical categories. If one is not fortunate enough to have, the, to have executed devotional service to the Lord in one's past life, and if one is therefore addicted to mere speculation on the differences between matter and spirit, one will not be able to fix one's mind on the spiritual platform. Such a person should give up useless speculation and engage in the practical work of Krishna consciousness, absorbing himself 24 hours a day in the mission of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In such missionary work for the Lord's sake, one should never try to enjoy the fruits of one's work. Even though the mind is not completely pure, if one offers the fruits of one's work to the Lord, the mind will quickly come to the standard of pure de desirelessness in which one's only desire is the Lord's satisfaction. Srila Jiva Goswami states that if one does not have faith in the personal form and activities of the personality of Godhead, one will not have the spiritual strength to remain perpetually on the transcendental platform. 
In this verse, the Lord is definitely bringing Uddhava and all living entities to the conclusion of all philosophy, pure devotional service to the Supreme Lord Krishna. In this regard, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur points out that one who is bewildered by false ego may not want to offer his activities to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even though this is the actual way of rising above the influence of the modes of material nature. Because of ignorance, one does not know that he is the eternal servant of Krishna and instead is attracted by the duality of material illusion. One cannot become free from such illusion by theoretical speculation, but if one offers one's work to the Personality of Godhead, one will clearly understand his eternal transcendental position as a servant of the Lord. Twenty-three and twenty-four. My dear Uddhava, narrations of my pastimes and qualities are all auspicious and purify the entire universe. A faithful person who constantly hears, glorifies, and remembers such transcendental activities, who through dramatic performances relives my pastimes, beginning with my appearance, and who takes full shelter of me, dedicating his religious, sensual, and occupational activities for my satisfaction certainly obtains unflinching devotional service to me, the eternal personality of Godhead. Purport, those who have faith only in the impersonal, effulgent aspect of the Supreme Lord and those who have faith only in the localized Supersoul, the perfect object of mystic meditation located in the heart of every living entity, are considered to be limited and imperfect in their transcendental realization. The process of mystic meditation and impersonal philosophical speculation are both devoid of actual love of God and therefore cannot be considered to be the perfection of human life. Only one who places full faith in the Supreme Personality of Godhead becomes qualified to go back home, back to Godhead. Lord Krishna's pastimes of stealing butter from the elderly gopis, enjoying life with his cowherd boyfriends, and the young gopis playing his flute and engaging in the rasa dance, etc., are all auspicious spiritual activities, and they are fully described in the tenth canto of this work. There are many authorized songs and prayers glorifying these pastimes of the Lord, and by constantly chanting them, one will automatically be fixed in smarnam, or remembrance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord exhibited his opulences upon his birth in Kamsa's prison and at the birth ceremony subsequently performed by Nanda Maharaj in Gokula. The Lord further performed many adventurous activities such as chastising the serpent Kaliya and many other irresponsible demons. One should regularly take part in the ceremonies commemorating Krishna's pastimes such as the Janmashtami ceremony glorifying the Lord's birth on such days, one should worship the deity of Lord Krishna and the spiritual master and thus remember the Lord's pastimes. The word dharma in this verse indicates that one's religious activities should always be in connection with Krishna. Therefore, one should give charity in the form of food grains, clothing, etc. to the Vaishnavas and Brahmanas. And whenever possible, one should arrange for the protection of cows who are very dear to the Lord. The word kama indicates that one should satisfy one's desires with the transcendental paraphernalia of the Lord. 
One should eat Mahaprasadam, food offered to the deity of Lord Krishna, and one should also decorate oneself with the Lord's flower garlands and sandalwood pulp, and should place the remnants of the deity's clothing on one's body. One who lives in a luxurious mansion or apartment should convert his residence into a temple of Lord Krishna and invite others to come in, chant before the deity, hear Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, and taste the remnants of the Lord's food. Or one may live in a beautiful temple building in the community of Vaishnavas and engage in the same activities. The word arta in this verse indicates that one who is inclined towards business should accumulate money to promote the missionary work of the Lord's devotees and not for one's personal sense gratification. Thus, one's business activities are also considered to be devotional service to Lord Krishna. The word nishchalam indicates that since Lord Krishna is eternally fixed in perfect knowledge and bliss, there is no possibility of disturbance for one who worships the Lord. If we worship anything except the Lord, our worship may be disturbed when our worshipable deity is placed in an awkward position. But because the Lord is supreme, our worship of Him is eternally free of disturbance. One who engages in hearing, glorifying, remembering, and dramatically recreating the pastimes of the Lord will soon be freed from all material desire. Srila Jiva Goswami mentions in this connection that one who is advanced in Krishna consciousness may specifically be attracted to the pastimes of a devotee in the spiritual world who serves the Lord in a particular way. An advanced devotee in this world may desire to serve the Lord in the same way and thus may take pleasure in dramatically reliving the service of his worshipable devotee master in the spiritual world. Also, one may take pleasure in spiritual festivals, performances of particular pastimes of Lord Krishna or activities of other devotees of the Lord. In this way, one can continually increase one's faith in the personality of Godhead. Those who have no desire to hear, glorify, or remember the transcendental activities of the Lord are certainly materially polluted and never achieve the highest perfection. Such persons spoil the opportunity of human life by devoting themselves to fleeting, mundane topics that produce no eternal effect. The real meaning of religion is to constantly serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead, whose form is eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. One who has taken full shelter of the Lord is completely uninterested in impersonal speculations about the nature of God and uses his time to advance more and more in the unlimited bliss of devotional service. Is everyone okay? Better than okay, right? Okay. Is that okay? I said okay, okay. Okay, one who has obtained pure devotional service by association with my devotees always engages in worshiping me. Thus, he very easily goes to my abode, which is revealed by my pure devotees. I'm going to read that again because it may be enlivening and encouraging. Right? Okay, here I go. One who has obtained pure devotional service by association with my devotees always engages in worshiping me. Thus, he very easily goes to my abode, which is revealed by my pure devotees. Purport. 
In the previous verses, Lord Krishna has emphasized the value of surrendering to him in loving service. One may ask how such surrender or devotion is actually achieved. The Lord gives the answer in this verse. One must live in a society of devotees, and thus automatically one will be engaged 24 hours a day in the various processes of devotional service, beginning with shravanam, kirtanam, and smaranam, hearing, glorifying, and remembering the Lord. The pure devotees of the Lord can reveal the spiritual world by their transcendental sound vibration, making it possible for even a neophyte devotee to experience the Lord's abode. Being thus enlivened, the neophyte makes further progress and gradually becomes qualified to personally serve the personality of Godhead in the spiritual world. By constantly associating with devotees and learning from them about devotional service, one quickly achieves a deep attachment for the Lord and the Lord's service, and such attachment gradually matures into pure love of Godhead. Foolish persons say that the various mantras composed of names of God as well as all other mantras are merely material creations with no special value, and therefore any so-called mantra or mystical process will ultimately produce the same result. To refute such superficial thinking, the Lord here describes the science of going back home back to Godhead. One should not accept the bad association of impersonalists who state that the holy name, form, qualities, and pastimes of the Lord are maya or illusion. Maya is actually an insignificant potency of the almighty personality of Godhead. And if one ignorantly tries to elevate illusion above the absolute truth, one will never experience love of Godhead and will be cast into deep forgetfulness of the Lord. One should not associate with those who are envious of the fortunate devotees who are going back to Godhead. Such envious persons deride the abode of the Lord, which is revealed by the pure devotees to those who have faith in the Lord's message. Envious persons create disturbances among the people in general who should take shelter of the faithful devotees of the Lord. Useless people hear from pure devotees. It is impossible, unless, excuse me, unless people hear from pure devotees, it is impossible for them to understand that there is a Supreme Personality of Godhead eternally existing in his own abode, which is self-luminous, full of bliss and knowledge. In this verse, the importance of Sangha association is clearly explained. Everyone all right? Yes? Okay. One more. Sri Uddhava said, my dear Lord, Supreme Personality of Godhead, what type of person do you consider to be a true devotee? And what type of devotional service is approved by great devotees as worthy of being offered to your Lordship? My dear ruler of the universal controllers, O Lord of Vaikuntha and almighty God of the universe, I am your devotee, and because I love you, I have no other shelter than you. Therefore, please explain this to me. Purport. In the previous verse, it was stated that one can achieve the Lord's supreme abode by associating with devotees. Therefore, Uddhava naturally inquires about the symptoms of a distinguished devotee whose association can promote one to the kingdom of God. 
Srila Jiva Goswami notes that the Personality of Godhead knows who is actually a sincere devotee because the Lord is always attached to His loving servitors. Similarly, pure devotees can expertly explain the proper methods of devotional service to Lord Krishna because they are already absorbed in love of Krishna. Uddhava herein requests Lord Krishna to, de to describe the qualities of a devotee and ask the Lord to explain the devotional service that the devotees themselves approve as worthy to be offered to the Lord. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur remarks that the word Purushadhyaksha indicates that Lord Krishna is the supreme ruler of the universal controllers <clears throat> headed by Mahavishnu and thus the Lord possesses infinite sovereignty. The term Lokadhyaksha indicates that Lord Krishna is the ultimate supervising authority of all of the Vaikuntha planets, and therefore the Lord is unlimitedly glorious and perfect. Uddhava further addresses Lord Krishna as Jagat Prabhu, because even in the illusory material world, the Lord exhibits his unlimited mercy by personally incarnating to uplift the conditioned souls. The word Pranataya, your surrendered devotee, indicates that Uddhava is not proud like ordinary fools who do not enjoy bowing down to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. According to Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, Uddhava mentions that he is anuraktaya, or completely bound in love to Lord Krishna, because unlike other great devotees such as Arjuna, who sometimes worship demigods to or, in order to comply with social customs or to show respect for their positions in the scheme of planetary management, Uddhava never worshipped any demigods. Therefore, Uddhava is prapanaya, or completely surrendered to, the, to Lord Krishna, having no other shelter. Sri Uddhava Ki. Okay, one more. My dear Lord, as the absolute truth, you are transcendental to material nature, and like the sky, you are never entangled in any way. Still, being controlled by your devotee's love, you accept many different forms, incarnating according to your devotee's desires. Purport. The pure devotees of the Lord propagate devotional service all over the world, and therefore, although separate from the personal form of the Lord, they are considered to be manifestations of God's mercy and potency. As stated in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Antya 7.11, Krishna Shakti Vina Nahi Tara Pravartana. The Lord is like the sky, Vyoma, because although expanded everywhere, he is not entangled in anything. He is Prakriti Para, or completely transcendental to material nature. The Lord is fully self-satisfied and is therefore indifferent to the affairs of the material world. Still, because of his causeless mercy, the Lord desires to expand pure devotional service, and for this reason, He incarnates within the material world to uplift the fallen conditioned souls. The Lord descends in selected spiritual bodies to please His loving devotees. Sometimes He appears in His original form as Krishna, and even Krishna Himself appears in different forms to special devotees so that they may fully develop their loving sentiments for Him. Srila Jiva Goswami gives several examples of the Lord's special mercy upon his devotees. 
Lord Krishna personally went to the home of Jambavan and there displayed a form with slightly angry glances. In that form, the Lord enjoyed a fight with his devotee. The Lord displayed his form as Dattatreya to Atrimuni and similarly bestowed special mercy upon Lord Brahma, the demigods Akrura, and innumerable other devotees. And in Vrindavan, the Lord displayed his most beautiful form as Govinda to the fortunate inhabitants. Srila Madhvacharya has quoted from the Prakash Samhita, from where? Correct. As follows, the Lord accepts different spiritual bodies according to the desire of his devotees. For example, the Lord agreed to become the son of Vasudeva and Devaki. Thus, although Lord Krishna has an eternal blissful spiritual form, he appears to enter within the body of his devotee who becomes his mother. Although we speak of the Lord's taking on a body, the Lord does not change his form as we do, as, as do the conditioned souls who must change their material bodies. The Lord appears in his own eternally unchangeable forms. Just when I heard that, it hit my ear. As do the conditioned souls who must change their material bodies. It seems like quite an inconvenience, doesn't it? To have to change your material body? <laughs> it depends on the body. Yeah, well, you know, the whole process of, change, uh, of you know, changing bodies in general seems a little odd, but it's um, not questioned that much, sort of in the passive voice. People don't question it very much. Sort of just, at least as far as I can remember growing up, I never heard much about it in my childhood, that it's something suspicious that people are just dropping off. I mean, it doesn't seem a little odd that people you know and love that all of a sudden they're just not there anymore. Doesn't seem right, does it? So, not very good. Better get it fixed. The Lord appears in his own eternally unchangeable forms. Depends which body. Lord Hari always appears in the forms that are especially desired by his loving devotees and never in other forms. However, if one thinks that the Lord in the manner of an ordinary person taking birth becomes the physical son of Vasudeva or other devotees, then one is victimized by illusion. The Lord merely expands his spiritual potency, causing his pure devotees to think, Krishna is now my son. One should understand that the Supreme Personality of Godhead never accepts or rejects a material body nor does he ever give up his eternal spiritual forms. Rather, the Lord eternally manifests his blissful bodies according to the loving sentiments of his eternal pure devotees. Srila Jiva Goswami mentions that the word Vyoma also indicates the Lord's name of Paravyoma, or the Lord of the spiritual sky. One should not misinter misinterpret this verse to mean that Lord Krishna is impersonal like the material sky, or that the form of Krishna is merely another selected incarnation equal to any form, any other, rather. Such casual and whimsical speculations cannot be accepted as actual spiritual knowledge. Sri Krishna is the original personality of Godhead, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. And the Lord has explained elaborately in Bhagavad Gita that he is the original source of everything. 
Therefore, the pure devotees of the Lord are eternally engaged in full knowledge and bliss in loving service to the Lord's original form as Krishna. The whole purpose of Srimad Bhagavatam is to arouse our love for Lord Krishna, and one should not foolishly misunderstand this great purpose. The Supreme Personality of God had said, O Uddhava, a saintly person is merciful and never injures others. Even if others are aggressive, he is tolerant and forgiving toward all living entities. His strength and meaning in life come from the truth itself. He is free from all envy and jealousy, and his mind is equal in material happiness and distress. Thus he dedicates his time to work for the welfare of all others. His intelligence is never bewildered by material desires, and he has controlled his senses. His behavior is always pleasing, never harsh, and always exemplary, and he is free from possessiveness. He never endeavors in ordinary worldly activities, and he strictly controls his eating. He therefore always remains peaceful and steady. A saintly person is thoughtful and accepts me as his only shelter. Such a person is very cautious in the execution of his duties and is never subject to superficial transformations because he is steady and noble, even in a distressing situation. He, is, he has conquered over the six material qualities, namely hunger, thirst, lamentation, illusion, old age, and death. He is free from all desires for prestige and offers honor to others. He is expert in reviving the Krishna consciousness of others and therefore never cheats anyone. Rather, he is a well-wishing friend to all, being most merciful. Such a saintly person must be considered the most learned of men. He perfectly understands that the ordinary religious duties prescribed by me in various Vedic scriptures possess favorable qualities that purify the performer, and he knows that neglect of such duties constitutes a discrepancy in one's life. Having, having taken complete shelter at my lotus feet, however, a saintly person ultimately renounces such ordinary religious duties and worships me alone. He is thus considered to be the best among all living entities. I was just thinking back to coming into the <laughs> Sangha of devotees and how their only concern was, at least in my case, because I was the subject of their mercy, making sure that um, I had full facility to take to Krishna consciousness. I re remember the feeling of coming into the, the temple community for the first time and that Devotees were going out of their way to clear the path, to make sure that I got everything, I, got, I understood everything, that I got prashadam. You know, that was one thing devotees always wanted, want other you know, people to take prashadam because uh, you know, it's one of the exchanges of love and they appreciate so much when somebody comes to Krishna conscious, they give prasadam. 
And unless one's extremely resistant to such loving care, it's a fairly compelling reason to take to Krishna consciousness. That is such a, a loving network of people. You can also remember times sitting down, like vivid memories of uh, being in an ashram and dancing in the morning at 4.31, the dancing began. And then, uh, and thinking, I wonder if anybody else in the city is dancing like this at this time of day. In fact, my father once came to visit me in the ashram in St. Louis. We were all brahmacharis there. You were there. And uh, so then I can't say that, right? We were, I said we were all brahmacharis. But you saw the scene there. there were, I mean, there were dozens and then hundreds of brahmacharis. Some of them would all come on the weekends from vans. But in any case, he came and visited us there. And that seeing through his eyes what we were doing, because that was the first time he came to a temple. He stayed overnight there. He, he got it from Mangalartik. And, you know, he sat in the back and watched. And we were, we were all dancing. It was uh, very muggy weather there. St. Louis can get very muggy. But uh, we didn't care. We just wanted to dance. So the devotees danced uh, with abandon in front of Gorni Thai. And I remember um, afterwards my father wrote me a letter when he got back to California just um, appreciating the lifestyle. And I can remember other times uh, sitting down to prasadam with the, uh, all the devotees. We just sit down and we didn't have care in the world. Just uh, prasadam and we had a whole, um, whole day full of service ahead of us. And honestly, not a care in the world. At least that's my recollection. Somebody might bring something up, up to convince me otherwise. But uh, it was mentioned, uh, Krishna mentioned earlier about the, the, the importance of, of Sada Sangha being around devotees and being in the process. Automatically, there's a kind of um, development of detachment when one's developing an attachment to devotional service, Vasudeva Bhagavati, Bhakti Yoga Puriyojita Janiyashivairagyam, Gyanam Chayyarahaitukam. And so causeless knowledge and detachment comes into one's into one's life. Life comes into one develops uh, knowledge and detachment quite readily. Just by the association of devotees and, and by worshiping Krishna, we do uh, that. And it's also remarkable thinking back to how this was all designed by a devotee who, th who thought, let's get as many people in this process as possible. Uh, I remember after getting a Back to Godhead magazine, the first Krishna conscious literature that I ever got. And um, I was really taken by the, by the pictures of devotees doing service and um, the various articles that explained Krishna and the absolute truth in, in uh, 
myriad uh, ways. And then I was thinking, I wonder who's behind this. And uh, it's remarkable, isn't it, that one, one devotee who has the mandate to spread Krishna consciousness could affect so many people and affect the world by taking the trouble to set up an environment that people could come into and become purified. The Sunday feasts, lots of people would come in and sit down and take prasadam. And, and of course, it's the same now. When one takes the trouble to create a, an environment, or as I like to call it, a habitat, where uh, people can survive and develop Krishna consciousness. They have um, a loving um, network of people they can relate to who are Krishna conscious and they can associate with. And they naturally become attracted, some of them, to Krishna consciousness at, uh, at a rate faster than one, least, than one expects. Because it's naturally there within the heart. And given the right environment, then uh, people awaken to that. At least they awaken to a desire to perform devotional service and be like the devotees. That's what I've noticed. And then, uh, as was quoted uh, at least twice in the, in the last um, few pages, we read, Tesham Satata Yuktanam. Krishna's there within the heart to aid the sincere person giving intelligence how to actually come to him through devotional service. And it's also interesting that Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita Arjuna at Kurukshetra and now he's saying the same things again. more systematically. How do you mean that? How do you, what do you see as being more systematic? Uh, when we compare uh, Bhagavad Gita with, Uddha, uh, with this part, the, the contents are like, the, the summary is given in chapter 2, then slow, low, slow, slow expansions are there, and then, you know, like the repetitions are there, uh, but in here uh, Krishna is going in a flow. Like here the topics jump sometimes, you know. So here it is more, uh, in a, it, it's longer, first of all, more, more chapters than 18. And then uh, the, the way Krishna deals, uh, or that, 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 when I was reading I realized that, you know, here there's no battlefield kind of a situation so no big rush no big rush so krishna is uh, is and and also because it's uh, just end before the seven days you know so just wanted to summarize again for the benefit of uh, parishit maharaj you know so so that using uddhava's conversation uh, you know the same stuff can come up yeah thank you
Yes. I was also thinking that a uh, lot of topics related to Bhakti Yoga are very elaborately explained uh, in the Uddhav Gita. Like uh, the deity worship part, I think, worshipping of the deities and many other things, I think it goes quite elaborate in this. That's true. There's a chapter on deity worship where Krishna himself speaks about how to worship the deity. And it's quite complete, obviously, as Krishna is speaking it, but one could, from that one chapter, discern how to create a deity, how to worship the deity, in all, all different aspects. Yes, Prabhu? There are two things that, that stuck in my mind while you were speaking and reading, at the same, you know, and uh, one of them is the fact that this is the first proposal, universal proposal, where God himself, the source of everything, is speaking. Up to now, we understand that he sent his messenger, his secretary, his obedient son, and so on, but not personally. You know, and here he is speaking directly. So that is astonishing that we have that. It's huge. Uh, and it's almost unbelievable because, are you serious? Yes, <laughs> it's, all, it's here. And uh, the level of communication is, uh, uh, is the evidence that it's so, who can speak like that? When he says, Aham Sarvasya Prabhava and so on, I am the source of everything. So I was meditating on that fact. And then when you spoke about your experience at the temple, <clears throat> I remember in our case, when we woke up, we always wanted to wake up before everybody else because there was only ba one bathroom. <laughs> and therefore you wanted to, to wake up early, earlier. And then uh, the level of concentration with the Japa time was such that I remember some of us would just be in front of a wall and not move from there. And hear the, the sound coming back to your ear. It's easier when you have a wall or your hand. Uh, and, uh, and at that time, the, um, the conflict with the mind was, should I walk or not? Should I move away or not? That was the conflict. There was no, <laughs> the conflict wasn't like, you know, the huge effort that we, uh, uh, and when you said, no, you stay there, you stay there, don't worry. And then I, you know, you finish your round that way. And when you finish your rounds that way, you, you're another person. Yeah, you feel so, so good about yourself. So I, I wonder if that stage, it, it reminds a little bit the experience Narada Muni had when he lost his mother and he sat under the tree and then suddenly Krishna appeared to him and then says, you continue, I'll, I'll, I'll be back later on because if you haven't completed your duty, you can't see me personally like that. So I guess part of the treasure and Prabhupada's legacy was giving us the opportunity to experience the presence of Krishna in a, in a capsule, if you will. And then 
Okay, now it's up to you. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, very interesting point. And we notice also, I, I alluded to this earlier, that the, the same um, experience or enthousi spiritual enthusiasm can be evoked from any audience. Of course, you know, there's levels of, of uh, qualification people take to devotional service. But it is uh, in double-blind studies anywhere. For instance, if you set up a, a program to hear and chant, somebody's going to walk in sometime. And uh, by, if they hear for a while, there's a way that they kind of get turned on. I mean, you can, I've noticed it in holding open classes on a regular basis, watching people who seem marginally interested uh, come every once in a while, and then all of a sudden they start showing up every day to the class, or at least every time there's a class. And then there's a look that they get on their face that's a little more eager, and they're kind of leaning into it, and they're smiling, you know, like uh, appreciating. And then, you know, becomes, you know, they become declarative about it. It's like, I want to do this. And um, so, yeah, there was definitely a, a, an intensity that um, I think you, you and all, all the other, you know, early devotees felt. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah. And, and Prabhupada gave us that experience. And I, I think in anywhere where, where the experiment is recreated, you know, we, we'll see, we see that again, again and again. And that's, that's important. I think one of the ways that communities get fortified is by having new people come into the environment under the right circumstances and then have, uh, then when members of the community see them uh, go through these improvements in their consciousness, then they also remember that, oh, it's available all the time. It's kind of the lifeblood of the community. If new people don't come in, it's always possible to find the nearest plateau and stay there. What do you think of that? Yes, the the, uh, the descriptions of, of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and Rupa Goswami's step-by-step uh, um, -step explanation of how um, how to how the advancement happens as much as the effort is there and investment of energy and time, then the experience becomes bigger and wider and more convincing. Uh, the devotee becomes more expert to distinguish the dictation of the mind uh, and not so much the uh, yeah, discriminating carefully, the, then it matures. Yeah. 
I'm waiting for my turn. <laughs> my turn to, to to play with the bat. You know, in baseball, you you're waiting in the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for that. <laughs> I think you already hit it out of the park. <laughs> but you know, there the, the, there's another ingredient, and in because it's Shila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's Divine Appearance Day, and we talked about it a little bit in the class today, meaning it was a conversation. That's why I said we. There's, um, there's a way in which when there's a missionary bent in a community, that is that the devotees are encouraged and supported for going out regularly with the idea of giving people Krishna consciousness there's an increase in the possibility that they'll uh, experience, have this peak experience in Krishna consciousness by giving. They, um, they see others and in different conditions, some of them unable to take to Krishna consciousness, which is interesting in and of itself, because why wouldn't someone be able to appreciate it? And then others who are more ready, more pious credits, perhaps. Yesham tontakatam papam jananam punyakarmanam tedvanva mohanir mukta bhajantimam drudavrata. Then by seeing, um, by seeing them uh, uh, enthusiastic, then we, it's kind of the same point I made earlier. But I think it, it's an important element that was also there in early days um, it was pervasive, and everyone had an opportunity to experience that that mood, right? And and in the streets, distributing book was the highlight. Distributing books. Yes, there's there's. I mean, I came to the conclusion one because I distributed Prabhupada's book for several years, and um, I knew as I was outside, I I I knew it for a fact that. Um, there was this was the most privileged opportunity, the most privileged service, because as you say, sometime when you're outside there, you uh, you don't know how to explain it. I, I mean, you are much more uh, eloquent, but uh, when you are out there and you start looking at the circumstances. <clears throat> And you overcome the circumstances, and you just go for it, and you you try. And the, it's such a personal relationship with Krishna uh, that no other service seems to to match or to. Although Prabhupada always said that all services are valid, and of course, every anything that we do for Krishna is valid. But still, it's like one and different. It may also be that the devotees doing. Other types of services feel more, they feel validated by the fact that everyone's going out and then they feel the increase in their enthusiasm and more people coming to see, for instance, if somebody's doing, uh, serving the deity when they're, um, when they're doing it with the mindset that this is, enlivening the devotees to go out on Sangirtan and other people who are coming in are seeing the deity and that 
and getting enlivened, then it's uh, it, it. They seem to also get caught up in that jet stream as well. Yes, is it eighty-two? That seems right. Uh, I would say, you know, the height of it was around 79 or something. Well, the airport was there, and then what happened was in 19... Actually, yeah, 1975, the Radha Temple merged with the uh, RBBT party. Partly, you know, um, Tamal Krishnamars was expert at eliminating competition. And he, what? Eliminating. <laughs> I mean, it was better to merge the parties together so that it, it, like, he didn't have that competition. But in any case, that, pardon? BBT. And then, then uh, it, there was sort of reconfiguration. But what happened out? What happened in St. Louis? Because it was kind of centrally located in the country, and there were, we had a plethora of vans. There were at least twelve, and they were all the identical except for they each had a number stenciled on tiny and on the side, and they would go out traveling, crisscrossing the country to distribute books. And uh, they would come back to the temple at intervals, usually weekends, the ones that were close enough to do so. And in the, in the back yard of the temple, the Datta Prabhu, who was not only an expert cook, but also a, a, a mechanic, he set up a, a tent. And all the vans would line up, and then he would service them all so they could go back out again. It was very military. And... Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everyone okay? Anyway, we read. We did a little damage. Can't take it back now. Light conversation afterwards. But it was... Anyway, we kept the transcendental vibration going. There was a kids back at ISV. They have this program called Youth Jam that we started a while back, and then uh, they had uh, like I was away. I'm usually on the show, and then they had a scheduling conflict, so they had to cancel at the last minute. And then I wrote back after they I heard they had canceled, and then I said. No, no, never cancel anything. Just figure out how to put it together, empower other people to lead it, and keep the transcendental vibration going. And that's a, they appreciated that as a kind of um, directive to always keep the transcendental vibration going. And it's one of the most useful directives, I think. And it's one that Rupa Goswami gives in the Nectar of Instruction 
that somehow or other uh, um, organize your life around this principle to keep the transcendental vibration going, and then all good things will come from that.